0: This is Trudy Morgan cole and once again, it's time for another episode of Shelf Esteem, the podcast where I talk to interesting people about the books that they find interesting. And this week, we're taking a little bit of a detour away from just the general book club discussion, and I wanted to talk to two people who are not only great readers, but also great educators, and really up on the books that young adults are reading. Uh, David Walsh is an educator, teaches language arts at uh, McDonald Drive Junior High, And Allison Edwards teaches English at Prince of Wales Collegiate High School, both here in St. John's. Uh, So both of them are pretty knowledgeable about um, young people and what young people are reading and what they like to encourage young people to read. They read a lot of YA themselves and they have a lot of thoughts about uh, what young people are reading both inside and outside the classroom. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation just as much as I did. And of course, I started out by asking what they had been reading lately that had really left an impact. And Allison was ready with a the list.
1: There's been a couple new releases that have been really exciting. Angie Thomas's second book, <gasps> on, the on, on the Come Up. Yes, yes um, I loved that one. Awesome. I have two copies down in my classroom and both of them are out. Uh-huh. Um, but then I also read this other one um, called The Opposite of Always. Okay. Um, by um, Justin Reynolds. Okay. And it's kind of, it's it's somewhat a romance, but it's, a, it's also kind of a Groundhog Day kind of experience. And you have these kids or this kid who is reliving a day trying to keep this relationship and save lives, literally, okay. in the process. And it was, it was just, it's a debut novel, I'm pretty sure, or it's one of his newer ones and it's just very, it just read kind of fresh. It wasn't, I don't know, it was, it was a nice read the other
0: uh-huh. day. Okay, I haven't even heard of that one. Yeah, Now, I had heard of On the Come Up, yes. so I knew what you were talking <laughs> about. But maybe for the benefit of anybody who doesn't, a little bit about what that, that one's about. Um,
1: Angie Thomas, this is her second novel... It, the, her first one was The Hate You Give, uh-huh. which was made into a movie mm-hmm. and has been very critically acclaimed. Um, On the Come Up is set in the same community of Garden Heights about a year after the events mm-hmm. of um, The Hate You Give. It's referenced every now and then, but we don't see any of the characters from her first novel. And it's about Brie, who really wants to be a rapper, uh-huh. just like her dad had been. And so she she finds herself... Um, at different rap ba- battles, and doing a lot to try to kind of save her family, hold her dad's memory because he was killed mm-hmm. um, several years before, while her family struggles with poverty and with the idea that her aunt is maybe doing some nefarious things, and mm-hmm. then Brie has to figure out: does she want success and at what cost? Yeah, right yeah. to you know, herself as an artist versus herself as a product, mm-hmm. right? So it's fantastic, and like I said, I have two copies in my classroom, and both are gone, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's yeah. been out for maybe two weeks. Yeah, yeah that's
0: yeah. been, yeah, really recently out. I read mm-hmm. it almost as soon as it came out. Mm-hmm. Emma and I shared a copy of it, so as we often do with YA books, because she's kind of my connection to the, that whole world of, of YA fiction, because she still reads a lot of that. Um, what about you, Dave? What have you read lately that's...
2: Uh, most recently, uh, for YA, I read uh, two books by Sherry Priest, uh, okay. I Am Princess X, and The Agony House, which is a more recent one.
0: Okay.
2: So I guess you'd call them semi, semi-illustrated novels. They're uh-huh. not fully illustrated, but there are some illustrated sections, particularly in The, um, the Agony House, which has a comic book as part of its uh, plot. Okay. So The Agony House takes place in New Orleans years after the hurricane, mm-hmm. and the main character... Her family is moving back to New Orleans to mm-hmm. try and renovate an old house, turn it into a bed and breakfast, and she calls it the Agony House. Okay. And uh, because it is in the on Argonne Street, and so she closes it up to Agony because she's just come from Texas. She doesn't like the heat. She our friends are all left behind, mm-hmm. and she really doesn't want to be there. But she encounters uh, the neighborhood characters, and then uh, becomes to suspect her house has been haunted and then has to set upon the mystery of what is happening in this house without telling her parents because they've got their life savings sunk into this project and if they leave the house, then they'll be ruined completely. Mm-hmm. And uh, her one before that, I Am Princess X, was another great mystery. Uh, female, car- Two girls who are friends through um, junior high, but then a car accident, one of them dies. Uh-huh. And uh, when they were together, they created this character called Princess X, who was a katana-wheeling... Uh, Chuck's wearing uh, princess who saved her own kingdom. Mm -hmm. And years after her friend dies in an accident, this girl starts seeing illustrations of this character start popping up all around the town. Oh, wow. And she's the only one who knew about this. And so she starts this quest to find out what's happening. Is my friend really dead? Mm -hmm. And where are these where these images coming from that only I and this other girl knew about?
0: Wow.
2: So those are those are quite good. And Where they're semi-illustrated, they're good stepping stones for some of the kids that don't read, or I guess a bit more reluctant, you would say, Uh because you can say, look, it's not as threatening. There's pictures in there. Yeah, yeah. And they actually work to help tell the story, particularly in the Agony House.
0: Yeah. Well, I haven't heard of that author at all. those sounds fascinating.
2: She's uh, uh, American, and Uh she does... Uh, A lot of stuff, uh, some steampunk stuff, that Mm -hmm. was where she had most of her success, I think, but also other works set in uh, the southern U.S., southern gothic. Okay, yeah. So um, I read um, six or seven of her adult books, and these Uh were her first forays into the young adult, and Mm -hmm. she was uh, fortunate enough to get picked up by Scholastic, so it's a very wide distribution for her, which is great.
0: Oh, yeah, that is fantastic. Fantastic. I I always ask people about books that you recommend to others, and I guess as both of you are educators, when we're talking about <laughs> YA, you're kind of almost professionally <laughs> recommending books to others. But what are what are some of your favorites? What are the ones that you always or or, or that you're particularly excited about trying to get people to read? <sighs>
1: so much of it depends on the reader. It really right? No, And that's such a
0: general question. Yeah,
1: like I, I had a student say, you know, the other day, um, she's like, Miss, one of my friends didn't know what to pick as a book. Mm-hmm. So I told her, go to Ms. Edwards.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and she's going to ask you what you like. And then she's yeah. going to look through her shelves and she's going to find something that you're going to love. Yes. Went, yeah. That is the nicest thing anyone <laughs> has ever said, but okay. Yeah. Um, but it really depends. And I mean, I have a large classroom library, and mm-hmm. so when kids say, well, I need a book or I'd like to read a book, mm-hmm. I kind of go, well, what is it you like? Yeah. Right? Like, if they're interested in history, what kind of history? Fiction, nonfiction, mm-hmm. World War II. I mean, there's so much out there about World War II, so it's that what they're interested in, or do they want more modern history or earlier history? Right. Um, Do they want fiction, nonfiction? Do they want alternate history? Mm. Right. So I'll throw in, like, well, maybe Michael Grant's Frontline series would be great if you like alternate history. Okay. Right, where he sets up the idea of women also being able to fight in World War II. Mm. Right. So we follow these three young women through World War Two and their battles. Uh Right. But if they like World War Two, but they want something more realistic, I might say, well, what about Codename Verity?
0: Right. 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 About
1: um, a pilot who's imprisoned by the Germans in France. Mm -hmm. And they go and if they're going, well, you know, I kind of want something a little more, you know, true
2: uh-huh.
1: right I'm like well what about Steve Jenkins bomb right? right that's a narrative nonfiction. it takes you through the making of the atomic bomb oh, wow. um, but in a really accessible way mm-hmm. or alternately okay well you'd prefer a graphic novel of that well there's Trinity which is also the telling of the making of the <laughs> right. atomic bomb so having some having someone say well you know what would you recommend? It's it's so reader dependent. Yeah. It is, but it
0: also has to be dependent on like you must read extremely widely yourself because you were just able to pull all of those examples just out of say somebody saying I'm interested in the Second World War. Which, right? you know, so you have to have a really wide knowledge base yourself, I guess. To
1: I generally read over 300 books a year. Some of them are rereads.
0: Wow. Yeah, not
1: all of them are young adult fiction, but a lot of them are. Uh huh. Right. So unfortunately, a lot of them are in, on e-reader. <laughs> so I sometimes end up buying some twice so that yes. I can actually loan them to yeah, people. Yeah, you don't have a copy to <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, if something really strikes me, I'll then buy it for the classroom. Uh-huh. Or if some kid is really looking for something, I'll go pick it up or I'll recommend it for them. If they're a kid mm-hmm. I know can buy, can go and buy a book.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, you have to read widely, especially when working with teenagers and recommending books. Oh, because yeah. For sure. There's so much out there mm-hmm. that, you know, to find the, the book for somebody, especially those reluctant readers, you have to have a wide scope yeah. yourself to be able to do that. And
2: when you have the freedom to build a classroom library, you are selecting all the books yourself that are going yes. into the room so you know what is there and you know, even if you haven't read the book itself, you know enough to pick it out to say, this is going to go in my yes. room and here's why. Yeah. And uh, like Allison said, you have to be very... Um, questioning of the reader when they come in mm-hmm. not only you know what, what is it for is it for a project because if it's a novel project but you can't choose nonfiction. fiction right. um, some teachers will say okay it has to be uh, not a graphic novel mm-hmm. um, then you ask them you know are you a fast reader or a slow reader right. because if you have four weeks to read it it's no good to give them a book that's 300 pages if their mm-hmm. mouse they're going to get is 150 read so that's just an exercise in frustration for some yeah. of them So, narrowing it down to, okay, I don't like to read. Okay, well, what TV shows do you watch? Yeah, Uh, yeah. What movies do you like? What subjects? Mm -hmm. Once you can start then narrowing it down, Mm -hmm. you pull stuff off the shelves and take a look at this, take a look at this and see how this one works. And, uh, you know, just read it for this period, see if you like it. If not, you know, we'll go and find something else or, you know, then you can pop by the school library at Mm -hmm. lunchtime, which is always great because um, that's got more and more varied resources as well. Mm But, yeah, it's quite often reader-dependent, time-dependent, and subject-dependent as to what you can actually get them.
0: Yeah. I had the weirdest... At Christmas, I think it was, one of the... Not St. John's CBC, but one of the other CBC stations was doing a thing, and they they wanted to talk to somebody who read a lot of books, and somebody gave them Mm -hmm. my name, and they're like, so... What books would you recommend people give others as gifts? And I was like, <laughs> "This is like a two to three minutes, I started like, "That's a very broad question, you know. That's that's kind of mm-hmm. meaningless if you don't know who the who the recipient is." And I guess it's the same thing with recommending books to students that you have to know who you're recommending it to. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And sometimes with the kids too, if they're reluctant readers, they'll try and read the same book two or three years in a row for a project. Uh-huh. So you ask them, "Okay, what book do you want? I want to read." This book. Oh, no, I know that you did that last year before (laughs) you came here. So you have to choose another book.
0: It helps to have that continuous knowledge. Yes.
2: Yes. Some of them, especially the reluctant readers, they will try and read as little as possible. So it's just a matter of then trying to find something to engage them Mm -hmm. and not frustrate them at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess this is more of a teacher question than a book lover question, but I think there's a lot of overlap, and and I think it's something that, that readers have a lot of opinions about. But what do you think about you know, the whole question of students choosing their own books as opposed to set texts. I feel like this is something you might have opinions on. A
1: <laughs> little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: just, I, I'll just open the game and you go.
1: <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of that. I really feel that... You can encourage students more in their reading if you give them some choice. And I know at the school where I am, our first novel that we do, we let them choose from a limited, like about 12 or 13 different novels. Mm -hmm. They all might be doing a different novel, right? I tell them, don't pick what your friend's doing because, you know, you might even end up doing a different project Mm because we then give them a project with a lot of choice. And we have more success with that. Um, and then our second novel, they can choose almost anything oh, very, except yeah. for something that we've done in school. Mm-hmm. And I check with the junior highs to see what they've covered. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, we let them choose almost anything as long as we haven't covered it in In school, and the variety of books that they choose is amazing. Yeah,
0: that's what I found too. With giving students a completely free choice, is you come up with a really wide variety.
1: You really do, and I mean, there's a lot of people that feel no, we should be teaching class sets of novels. We should be teaching the classics, Mm -hmm. but there's. I feel our job has almost become more to lead them to that, mm-hmm. to get them reading, get them understanding what they like to read, and then leading them to some of those heavier classic novels, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so you enjoy dystopian worlds. You liked Hunger Games, hey, Oh, you like Divergent, right? And start building them up so they can maybe approach 1984 Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But give them that choice to figure out what they like and what they don't like, and then mm-hmm. you can lead them to those novels that we used to cover with the whole yeah. class, with... Yeah you know, where they'd read the spark notes and... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
2: rather than... In our our school, we do a combination of the both, where we do uh, two set novels, but also three independent novel projects. So the class read, we do all do the same novels, but then Mm -hmm. outside of that, they're given freedom of choice to choose whatever they like. The restrictions I put on it is that it has to be, well, a novel first, Mm -hmm. and we go over the definition of what a novel is, Mm -hmm. not just a book. Yeah. And I try to say there can't be a movie of it so that they can't Just watch do them. that. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, because young adult fiction is such the growth industry in publishing, <laughs> they're hard. making movies yeah. out of everything. <laughs> yes. And it's very hard to do choose... A novel which doesn't have a movie of it, is, yeah. if it has been in any way a recent successful novel.
0: Yeah, that is one of the workarounds I've done for that. With with um, for your choice is is one of your projects has to be to compare the book to the movie, mm-hmm. so that then I feel like there's a fair <laughs> chance they will have will have attempted both. You know,
1: I've given the give me ten differences between yeah, the book yeah, and exactly, the movie, yeah. and to... there's usually hundreds of them.
0: So yeah, it's not hard. <laughs> exactly, that, yeah.
2: for sure. Yeah. When you're doing something like, uh, I'm finding the Harry Potter books, for instance, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, where they've been around now 20 years, um, you'd think that they would be very common. But the grade sevens that I'm coming through when we're doing novel projects, some of them will say, I can't be in the room when so and so is doing reading their summary because I want to read that one next. Oh yeah. And so the parents have put in the place that you don't get to see the movie until you've read the book.
0: Yes. And yeah. so
2: now these kids are reading the books and it's it's a completely new generation oh, yeah. where you can't start getting spoilers from the later books because they're like, Sir, I haven't read that far.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's all coming out again. Uh, yeah,
2: it's hard to imagine talking you know,
0: talking about Harry Potter with, with a group of kids you know, who's who are of a whole generation that haven't read them yet. Yeah. It's, yeah. Pretty easy to spoil those books. We won't do it now, though, just for the <laughs> anyone who hasn't read Harry Potter is listening to this podcast. I heard a really great
1: story about how the guy that played Draco Malfoy mm-hmm. hasn't rewatched the movies, and people are like, well, why not?
2: Mm-hmm. He
1: said, because I'm waiting till my kids are old enough oh, so yeah. I can watch them with with my kids. Uh-huh. Thought, okay, that's, that's great.
0: Yeah, that's right? cool. That <laughs> like, really cool, yeah.
1: Right, there is something magical about that set of stories where they are enduring and you yeah. have these kids discovering them now as opposed to it just being commonplace. Yes. yes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are, um, you know, you mentioned that, uh, that since On The Come Up has, has come out, you've owned, mm-hmm. you, you're, they're constantly borrowed from your classroom. Mm-hmm. What are some of the others that your books that you're finding that are just really popular right now with, uh, with the kids that you're teaching, the kids that you're seeing?
2: Well, as for me, it's still the Harry Potters, the Percy Jacksons. Yeah. They're still very popular with the kids. Uh, the Shadow Hunter series, um, uh-huh. Cassandra Clare, I think, yeah. is that. That's really popular. A lot of the dystopians are still popular,
0: uh-huh.
2: as are the um, Sarah Dessens, the romance. Oh, yeah. That way. yeah. Um, plain adventure books. And there's always a call for Holocaust novels. Really? Sometimes, you know, we... People say, we focus too much on the Holocaust during the year. But there are always kids who are reading up on it. They're mm-hmm. looking for more information about it. And with everything that's going on in the world right now, I think any extra knowledge that they have of what uh, happened in the past could only be good for what they're facing yeah. in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. What about you? What are you seeing that's really...
1: Um, I'm seeing a lot of, I guess, modern social justice Mm-hmm. And retellings. Okay. Um the book Pride, the which is oh. a retelling of Pride, Pride and Prejudice. And Prejudice yeah, right? boy, yeah. That's that's been, you know, borrowed from my classroom a few times now mm-hmm. since I got it not that long ago. Um oh The Poet X.
0: Okay.
1: Um, some of the Jason Reynolds ones, like oh, Long way down, I think one of them is called. Some of those that are dealing with modern issues that they're they're seeing not necessarily in their lives, but they're seeing on TV some of the mm-hmm. Black Lives Matters issues um, and what's happening to teens,
0: uh-huh. you
1: know, people their age, things that they're suffering from mm-hmm. um, or that they're having to learn from. Um, Past that, I mean, when I think about some of the books that people are either borrowing or have chosen, like John Green is still really popular. Yeah. John
2: Green is very popular. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, looking at, uh, like, I still have some students that are doing Harry Potter, mm-hmm. um, even though now we're in high school. Yeah. And they're going, nope, I want to do Harry Potter. I love that series. Um yeah, it's 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 a, a mix of kind of modern issues, but then also these like familiar kind of comfortable authors that yeah, that yeah. they've grown up with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always ask people about books that that left a big impression on you when you were younger, and that usually, though not always, takes people into talking about children's and young adult fiction. Even that's what we didn't, you know, even though we didn't start off with that. Um, what about for you guys? What were the books that had big had a big impact on you or left a big impression on you when you were younger? And were they what we would call YA
2: or not? <laughs> not so much in, in my case. Yeah. YA didn't really exist as uh, a, a subgroup at yeah. that time. So I grew up reading mostly science fiction and fantasy. So I uh-huh. would read The Lord of the Rings. I would read um, There was The Belgariad by David Eddings, oh, which is yes. the first yeah, one I really yeah. followed year after year. And... Um, That's not what what you would call YA today. YA back then would have been, even looking at uh, it would be Oliver Twist or something from Dickens. They would say that's YA when clearly it was not aimed at a YA audience. It's just that oh, it's got a kid as a character, therefore, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's for kids. When that's not the way it is. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess we read mostly adult fiction. Yeah, is is how it would go. Uh, Some stepstones up to that point, but. You know, When you when you start chewing your way through the Lord of Rings as a, an early teenager, that's a pretty meaty book to try and, and get through, especially yeah. when you hit the two towers it and you're just sure. like, where are they going? Nothing's <laughs> happening. I never made it through the first one. No. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I remember, and I'm a little older than you, I remember there being a gap between sort of like when you finished with the kids' library, mm-hmm. but you went to the adult library and it was like, nothing here yeah. looks good. You know, there was, I mean, there were <laughs> books with teenagers as main characters, but it certainly wasn't, you know, anything like the explosion of, of what we have in YA today. I can remember going to the adult library with a friend of mine when we were both 13 and her picking out a book and, and us and well... Who knows? What's this about? She's when she comes, just like, it's all about sex. And mm-hmm. We were still at the age where that was kind of gross. And mm-hmm. uh, You know, yeah, I, it's great that that I think kids have so much more choice today. But, yeah.
1: And that, I mean, I look at it, I'm almost living backwards as a reader. <laughs> because, I mean, I read all your, you know, your Anna Green Gables, Ella Montgomery. I read all yes, of that as a child. Yeah. And then, though, as I got older, it was Sweet Valley High. Mm-hmm. And then you could go to V.C. Andrews Yeah, and there was a few other, like the girl that was supposed to die, these like really <laughs> melodramatic, but there wasn't a lot of young adults. So I was getting like Alice Monroe, I was Margaret Atwood, Margaret mm-hmm. Lawrence, right? Like as a kid, I, mean, I guess in high school, I guess I loved The Robber Bride
2: oh, yeah. and
1: Handmaid's Tale. Uh-huh. And I mean, I, was, I think I was writing about Handmaid's Tale on my AP lit exam, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, it was adult books and now i'm reading mostly ya and a lot of that is because there's so much out there there's yeah. such a variety while when i was a teenager if you were a reader you were reading classics mm-hmm. right and you were reading grown-up books yeah right as opposed to you know something that was geared to, to things that you might actually be going through
0: yeah 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 i think there's an, I, there's an element of truth to that when i think of like Young adult, young adult books that were considered YA that were ra- around when I was actually a young adult. I mean, the the thing that comes to mind is is The Outsiders and S.E. Hinton, uh, which we still do that. That has really stood the test of time, hasn't yeah. it? Like when you think of how long that book has been around.
2: Yeah, and the kids, the <laughs> and kids that there are kids still who still and, like and, it. And, oh, the kids yeah. love it. Grade yeah. eight, they they love it. Although every year now we have to do more and more almost literary archaeology to say back in the sixties, and this is going on. 67 years ago now, yeah. uh, this is the way things were back at this time. Yeah, um, When you have to say, okay, let's take away all your modern technology, no cell phones, this yeah. is what a payphone is, and <laughs> yeah. this is why these things are incorporated. But the kids still really, really, uh, the themes of the novel really still resound with them, and they yeah. really like it.
0: Yeah, I had I met a girl a few years ago. It's not not a girl I was teaching, but a friend of my daughter's. So she would be the same about the same age as Emma, who was obsessed with the novel *The Outsiders* and like had chunks of it memorized. And I was like, "That is amazing to me that 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 is still you know because it is in some ways it's such a different world, um, but it's still that that still connects."
1: Yeah, I've never read *The Outsiders*.
0: Oh my goodness, that is an amazing. <laughs> Take a couple of hours. Out I know of
2: it's a very short my book. son oh, studied it, uh-huh.
1: and you know. But I've also heard probably about ten to fifteen book talks mm-hmm. about it. So I feel I know feel the like whole know yeah. story. Yeah. We were geocaching, and one of the clues was a, a line from the Outsiders. Yeah. Like, oh, that's from the Outsiders. Okay, of I know course. where we're going. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> but I've never read it. Huh. <laughs> I think at this point I'm choosing to not read yeah, it because yeah. it's You're like, resisting okay. it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: there other books well we have said the harry potter ones but are there other ones that really sort of stand the test of time because what i found like i did this thing when i was before i had kids when i put a bunch of my favorite like books from when i was young when i was a teenager away and thought i'll share these with my daughter someday and my daughter became a really avid reader but she had no interest in any of the books that i had saved because they were too old-fashioned mm-hmm. um you know, how do you other than the outsiders, which seems to be ageless? Uh, do you find kids now have difficulty connecting with with older books or the books that were written?
2: Sometimes it depends on just how they're packaged. Yeah. Because when you look at the book, the kid will look at a book and go, "Oh, this is very dated." Mm. But like in the school libraries, when they're calling they'll you know, get, get a new copy of a book in to discard the old one. Mm-hmm. The old ones could be, still be good. It's yeah. just that the new one looks more up-to-date. It's got a new cover, a new font style. Right. Um, it's not an old permabound with yellowing edges. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll pick it up and read it because they don't have the, the visual cues that, oh, this, this looks like you know, something that my mm. mom would have read. Yes,
0: yeah. So yeah.
2: sometimes it's just a matter of getting them that uh, past that little visual uh-huh. uh, block that they have. And um, I still have kids doing uh, book projects that I know their parents are influencing, where they're doing Anne of Green Gables, or they're doing yeah. Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm. Yeah. And uh, it's like, okay, so your mom had influence on this. <laughs> so your mom felt very strongly
1: about your choosing this book. <laughs> yeah. But then some of them are making resurgences. I mean, recently they, there Anne was... E a, well, Yeah, the new Anne series, and then there was Marilla of Green Gables just published, oh, which yeah. is... Um, I guess Marilla as a child Mm. Uh um, and what it was like for her and I think right now there's an Anne of Green Gables ballet that's about to tour so some of them are starting to get new life either through TV series new books coming out Mm -hmm. and kids are going oh wait I remember that Mm -hmm. right like mom talked about that one Maybe I'll check that one out now
0: yeah Mm -hmm. I find it's actually this is particularly true with Anne of Green Gables uh, but or any little women too it's like that any sort of 19th century early 20th century stuff the language I find can be really distancing and a lot more mm-hmm. difficult for uh, you know because mm-hmm. writers write differently today, so our mm-hmm. com- brains mm-hmm. are kind of tuned to reading differently. And you know, even almost to some extent with Tolkien, I think you get that of like you, people get lost in the forest of words and yeah. <laughs> find mm-hmm. it hard to find their way out.
1: I recently did an Edgar Allan Poe short story with my one of my level three class, mm-hmm. and they were like, "We did not understand that mm-hmm. at all." Okay, <laughs> let's go through word by word yeah. and just talk about his word choice here and yeah. and a bit about the time, but also, you know, define a few things for you. And it made it clearer to them, yeah. but it wasn't something they could easily just pick up and, and yeah. go with yeah. right? because the language was a little much for some of them. Yeah.
0: And I think some people get incredibly bent out of shape about that, like, oh, everything's getting dumbed down and kids are getting stupider and stupider. But, you know, to me, I think it's just the language changes and the way we write. Oh,
2: well, that, really that's it. Changes. We see the kids when we do Shakespeare with the kids. Yeah. You know, we're trying to overcome a 400-year distance exactly. between mm-hmm. yeah. and language and yeah. theirs. Or 200 between hours and Poe's. I mean, mm-hmm. English changes. That's, yeah. that's what it does. Yeah. And it's not that it's it's getting dumbed down. It's just, it's not what you had when you were growing up. It doesn't yeah. make it worse, it's just different. Uh-huh. That's like I tell the kids sometimes when we're uh, doing grammar corrections, like, a lot is two words. In 20 years it might be one. But right now, <laughs> yeah. it's two words.
0: Society is fighting hard to make it one word, but <laughs> we're still out here on the barricades dying <laughs> for it being two different words.
1: Maybe after I retire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I, could, if I could just hand books to people and go, I think you'll like this, yeah. without knowing much about them, you know, The Hate You Give would be one I would say, look, like this kind of... If I'm looking at, the, I guess, my teenage audience that I'm giving books to, it's like, you might like this one. This yeah. is modern and has the language that you understand, mm-hmm. right? But then, you know, if they like something a little... that they have to kind of puzzle through a little more, there's a series I love that's called I Hunt Killers.
2: Okay. And
1: yes. it's a great kind of look at nature versus nurture the main character is the son of the most prolific serial killer in the states and his dad is now in jail but Uh someone has started doing copycat crimes Mm -hmm. and so he's helping investigate but he's also kind of going like you know i was brought up i was supposed to take over the family business and i'm fighting it and now you know how do I I work with the police and help them? Because I know more than they do because of my background. But I'm a teenager. Yeah. And I also would be considered first suspect. Mm-hmm. Right. But how can I help? And so it's this four three or four book series. And it's just when you read it, it's like, oh, man, that's so outside of anything I know. But at yeah. the same time. It's that universal story of am I who I am because it's who I am mm-hmm. or because of how I was raised. Oh, wow. Right? So, you know, any kid that goes, well, I kind of like mystery. I'm like, here, <laughs> <laughs> here
0: right, <laughs> take this yeah. one, right?
1: Because it's one of those that I think gets overlooked sometimes, but is just this, I, I find it fascinating.
0: Yeah. I had never heard of this, this uh, series. It's a series? Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah that's cool. What about you? Any others that you particularly like to
2: recommend to people? or? Uh, I don't know. It's it's very hard. A lot of the kids that, that are readers, they come in already knowing what they want to read. Yeah, and yeah. then, again, it's just a matter of trying to find a book for someone else. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I find with the boys in particular, uh, it, it's a bit challenging to find them a, a novel because sometimes they prefer non-fiction over fiction.
0: Yes. Yeah. And
2: then you're trying to steer them into, okay, well, this is a story you have to read. So I was trying to get something that is you know inspired by a true story when the world war II uh, ones that come up there uh, mm-hmm. or uh, something about sports where they can relate uh, more directly to it. Yeah. Because some of them, some of them, they just uh, they they built the mind block that I don't like to read and I don't want to read and you can't mm, make me. And yeah. And so then it's that must be very
0: difficult to.
2: Sometimes it is. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it, it comes down to listen. Your assignment is due in three weeks. <laughs> Whether you read or not <laughs> is up to you. But your assignment is due. Yeah. And I will Google it. So you can't just go to Goodreads and uh, snip mm. it on down because yeah. that's. What we do, we yeah. Google it.
0: <laughs> That's what teachers do, folks.
2: Yeah. Um, but if they're looking at something lighter, The Lebanese Snicket actually is oh, going through yeah. a resurgence as well now, in part thanks the to TV the TV series, yeah, series. Netflix
0: series, which was great. I yeah. thought I don't always love adaptations of books, but I thought that was so
2: good. Yeah, so that but that one's making a big resurgence now as well with kids picking that up. So mm-hmm. uh, if they're interested in that, and uh, I know there are some books coming out. Based upon the Stranger Things TV series. Oh yeah. And there's a lot of kids who are really like that. So mm-hmm. these ones might be good to give to some of the other kids when they come in to say, Yeah. Here, you know, try this. If you like something new, darker or more macabre? We yeah. Can find this, and uh, then just springboard off that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is there a kind of books you'd like to see more of for your classrooms? Like if you were, if you could, you know, get out there at authors and publishers and say, we need more of. Whatever.
2: We've got a fire hose of YA coming out. Yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> so we don't need any problem. more of it. Anyway. <laughs> well, there's so much selection to come through. It's like, okay, which ones do I pick? Yeah. Um, if you're, you know, even browsing secondhand, you can see this, you know, is popular now. Um, you know, I can buy some of these secondhand or going through the Scholastic magazines for the mm-hmm. kids who are still looking for materials from, from that. Because my grade sevens often still, they will buy from the Scholastic. Yeah. And uh, there's a good cultivation of things there. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite often too, parents come in for a parent-teacher. They'll say, you know, my, my kid doesn't like to read. What mm-hmm. do I do? I say, take them to the library. Take him to the AC Hunter Library. The librarians there can help point you. They've got the graphic novel section. They've got a great YA section. They know all the resources there. Mm-hmm. and. The parents will say, you know, we haven't been to the library in years. And say, yeah. Do it.
0: Yeah, people stop, people, even people who take their little kids to the library tend to stop going as they get bigger, yeah. I think. But there's,
2: know. there's, you know, so many good books and resources that they have access to that we don't, within mm-hmm. the schools. And, uh, they're great at, helping the kids find books. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I always try and steer the parents. If you're a reluctant reader, take them to the library and see what you can find there.
0: That's great, you know, yeah.
2: Because you know, sometimes they'll be like, oh, wait, I don't want to go to chapters because, you know, we'll have to buy these books and they might not read it. So why are you buying books? <laughs> go to the library. <laughs> There's an institution
0: that will give them to you for yeah, free. Yes,
2: so don't, don't use the cost or price point as any sort of way to, to not get it. Just yeah. go to the library. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And...
1: I mean, I do, I follow a lot of authors on Twitter Uh and they kind of connect me with other authors and I get connected them with other English teachers Mm -hmm. and I keep updated with what's coming out. Mm -hmm. And so I will tend to either try to get it through the library or pre-order books Mm -hmm. um, for my Kobo and just kind of, you know, check things out and, you know, try to get as many of them for my classroom knowing, okay, there's, you know, I teach 180 students. Yeah. I have so many different topics that people want, so mm-hmm. I need to keep on top of it yeah. to make sure that I can provide for some of these reluctant readers and for some of these kids that, you know, don't have parents that are going to take them to the library or can't mm-hmm. buy a book. right? So, I mean, I was lucky enough to get a grant last year um, to buy a number of books for my classroom. Oh, that's great. So it, yeah. was, it was fantastic. And I had to order from this website. Um oh, that it was s- staffed by these very informed people. So I went, okay, I want some of the Project Lit books and uh-huh. I want something like that. And they were like, we got you.
0: Oh, that's great. Right? And yeah. they could go, how
1: about these? What do you think of those? Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, great, right? Mm-hmm. Like looking at some of these resources. So I mean, yeah. as teachers, we can even, you know, follow some of these resources and talk to some of these people. Their job is to keep on top of young adult yeah. and be able to go, okay, well, you liked this. Well, maybe these would be good for you too to bring mm-hmm. in. Right and yeah. okay, you have reluctant readers. Well, we have a whole section called Reluctant Readers. Yeah, right. Yeah. Why don't you take a look there? So as we keep stocking for our libraries and for our classroom libraries, we can you know use some of these resources that are out there as well. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Even something like Goodreads. If you like this book, you might like these. Yeah, that was yeah. a great list of places to look for suggestions for something else that you can bring into your classroom library. For sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Allison, you talked about a little bit about books that deal with social justice issues, which I think Mm -hmm. kind of ties into uh, the question of representation in YA. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you feel about that, about having books that represent, say, a diversity of experiences?
1: I think it's really important Mm -hmm. because, I mean, when I look in my classroom, Mm -hmm. there are so many different, I guess, backgrounds being represented. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to, you know, show them a book where someone's wearing a hijab. Yeah. Right. Or have books where not everybody is white.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Is you know, it's great because, you know, it's diversity is so important. Yeah. Right. To yeah. just be able to like to have people feel like hey maybe there's someone else out there like me yeah yeah right
0: yeah i think it's so important too for like that there's so much more with lgbt mm-hmm. kid representation in kids books now for kids who might be growing up in an environment where they're made to feel that you can't talk or even think about mm-hmm. this d- to see it represented in books is so important
1: exactly it takes away that isolation mm-hmm. it takes away that feeling that oh i'm the only one yeah. who had this and was so like oh sure there's lots of people and i just need to find my people. Yeah, right? Yeah. These characters did and i can too and you know, oh and there's more out there and it can help them maybe put words to some of the things they've been feeling that they haven't had words for. Mm-hmm. And but also help them realize that their experience is not the only one. Yeah. And so what happens with them? Like that's their life. Mm-hmm. And there are so many other people living so many other experiences, and they have to recognize that those are also important experiences, and they need to honor those as well. Yeah. Yeah. right. So even if they happen to be that, you know, majority child reading this, they can see that, no, the world is bigger than just me and my life. Yeah.
0: And it's, I mean, to me, a big part of reading is it builds empathy. It Mm -hmm. makes you, you know understand that other people's experience is different from yours mm-hmm. which you might never get at without uh, without books yeah. well
1: there's one I read recently that was about um, a girl who her family was from India and I think she was first-generation American
0: mm-hmm. they were
1: Muslim and she was a lesbian oh wow and she was so scared to come out to her parents and mm-hmm. when she did they took her to India and tried to have her have an arranged marriage oh, wow. And so she had to kind of fight her way back and had to come to terms with herself kind of living across a few different worlds Mm -hmm. and, you know, had to get her parents to come to grips with who she was and, uh, or who she is. And it was just, it was just, okay, you know what, like, this isn't my favorite book, but at the same time, I'm, I love what it's representing. Mm -hmm. And the author had tweeted out the cover and had said, it's so amazing for her to see a book that had I think on the cover um, she was in like just regular you know, jeans and a t-shirt but on the back she was wearing a sari and just to have oh, a character on a cover that was not just dressed like your average American teenager but represented yeah. her culture. Yeah. So what was that book called? <laughs> the Love and Lies of Rusksana Ali by Sabina Khan. Okay,
0: cool. Well look out for that one. Um, Dave, you mentioned graphic novels. Want to talk about that a
2: little bit? Well, there's a lot more representation showing up in graphic novels, and so for a lot of reluctant readers, that's a great stepping stone to try and get them interested. When you have titles like the new Ms. Marvel, who is a Pakistani-American superhero, the new Miles Morales, who's uh, African-American and half Puerto Rican. So there's a lot more diversity showing up in the comic book scene, and then having collected volumes of those in amongst all the other books you can have for graphic novels is a great way to show that yeah, there are other people out there. Mm -hmm. Um, like the one of the most popular movies recently was the Into the Spider Verse animated oh, yeah. movie, which had Miles Morales so in it. So it was. good, I love it, the And then the kids started talking about that. It's like, oh, well, here, here's you know where he shows up in the books, and here's a, a book about him. Yeah. And so it's great to be able to have those resources to to give to the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, same when Black Panther came out, a you know, huge yes. movie. Yeah. And then you're able to say, well, here's a collection of the of the stories, so mm-hmm. you can see where this character came from and and how it developed to show that. You know, there is a history here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a lot more to it. Mm
0: -hmm. How do you feel about people who are um, uh, a little bit derogatory of graphic novels or who are like, that's not real reading?
2: Yeah.
0: It's harder.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it is. If you've never grown up reading a comic book, following Mm -hmm. it is very challenging. Um, In particular, uh, manga, which is is huge. Yeah. Um, if you've never read it before, you'll n- have to actually train yourself. What what's going on here? The book is being read backwards, and yeah. and mm-hmm. and and what do what do these things mean? I have no idea what these these symbols and these shortcuts. Yeah, you mean. don't know
0: the conventions of the <laughs> genre. Yeah.
1: Well, even like I look at kids who pick a graphic novel because they think it's easy.
0: Yes. Say yeah. okay.
1: You're using several different skills here, so just keep that in mind. It's mm-hmm. not as many words, but you also have to be able to interpret the visuals. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and you have to know how to, to read it. Like mm-hmm. with a book, we know, okay, this is what we do. Yeah. But with a graphic novel, you have to know how to read it and how to interpret it. And they mm-hmm. go, okay, miss. And then they come in later, okay, you were right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and you can yeah. even give them graphic novels that have no words at all, like Shaun Tan's yeah. The Arrival. Oh, okay. No mm-hmm. words in it at all. It's an immigrant story coming to a new land.
0: Uh-huh. And it's
2: a beautiful Beautiful book, with not one word of English in it. Really, it's all told through the pictures of the story. Yes.
0: Oh, that's so interesting! And it's
2: fantastic.
0: Hmm. Now, would you accept that as a novel study if someone was doing?
2: For some kids, I do. Yeah. For graphic novels, I do uh, because I'm I'm a big proponent of having that. Quite often, I won't say like a compilation of uh, issues of a comic book won't quite fall, but if it's a self-contained story, mm-hmm. like the Bone series uh, Oh yes, yeah, yeah, my
0: son was obsessed yeah. with those when he was younger. Bone
2: yeah. and Amulet they're still really big, and uh-huh. for some reluctant readers, working their way through one of those volumes, it's a challenge for them, Yeah, and if they can do that then why not, because that's, that's the first step, they have that one done and then there's a whole series for them to continue on with, mm-hmm. and if you can build that bridge to get them there, and then um, they don't have to feel any sort of uh, shame that oh I'm not reading a book with yeah. the all words like no this is a graphic novel you read this this is going to be your project you still do the same presentation that everyone else does on yours mm-hmm. uh, on the on their novels yeah but you know it counts yeah and for them you know that's what they need sometimes to show that okay I, I don't have to be afraid of of what's going on here I'm, I'm yeah. still reading it's just a different type of reading
0: mm-hmm. yeah are there any books either of you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to yet or anything that's just popped into your head that was like, oh, before we finish, we
2: should really... Uh, This one that I read recently I I really liked. It was called uh, Akata Witch by Nnedi Okafor.
0: I've heard of this one, yeah.
2: Really good. Um, It's about a a girl whose uh, family's from Nigeria. They live for a short time in the United States, and then they travel back to Nigeria. So she's Mm -hmm. actually Mm American-born, and so she doesn't really fit into the cultural world because she's used to growing up in America for the first few years of her life. And she's also an albino, so she's caught between worlds because she can't go out in the daylight. And now living in Nigeria, of course, it's very challenging. And then it falls into this sort of magical realist world where she finds out that she's actually the inheritor of witch powers mm-hmm. and uh, gets initiated into an African tradition of magic. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good exploration of a non-European approach to a young adult m- magical save the world type story. Yeah. So that was uh, a really good and really, uh, I won't say a quick read, but it was a really interesting read as it was going. I quite enjoyed that one.
0: Yeah. I've heard that mentioned, I haven't read it, I've heard it mentioned, along with one that I had read, which was Children of Blood and Bone. Mm -hmm. I haven't read that one yet.
1: I I haven't read it yet, but it's been so recommended. Yeah, And it's not my usual genre, so I I keep going, oh, I'll read this and then I'll go back to it, but it's been... Highly recommend it. I think yeah. even Lin-Manuel Miranda just went on vacation. That was one of the books you <laughs> Yes, you read. She said it
0: was one of the books you I saw that on Twitter, too. Yeah, I mean, it's in some ways a very, very typical, almost stereotypical mm-hmm. young adult with special powers, mm-hmm. chosen one, save the world thing. But it's in this African setting with all this African mythology and folklore kind of underpinning mm-hmm. it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's so interesting. And of course, you know, this is a bit veering off of YA, but just generally in fantasy, I love to see something other than the sort of traditional medieval European you know, spin-off and, and just exploring other settings and other mythologies because there's so much there. Which, again, is I think a really interesting thing, too, with the Percy Jackson ones because Rick Riordan has done this whole Rick Riordan Presents series mm-hmm. where he's uh, sort of uh, giving showcase to authors from other yes. um,
1: cultures. But he also has the Cain series, yes. which I believe is the Egyptian, Egyptian gods. Egyptian, yeah. And I think, did he do a Norse series yep. as yep. well? Yes, Magnus, Magnus Chase. Right? Chase so, and, yeah. uh, and the Apollo yeah. series. yeah. 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 Well. revisiting...
2: Yeah, the uh, Charles of Apollo, I think that was Yes, cool. yeah. right. So
1: it's just yeah. been interesting seeing so many kids go, well, I want to research mythology now. Yes, yeah. Right, Or, but it's not always Greek mythology yeah, now. It's yeah. They're going, well, I want to look up Egypt.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Cool. I was blown away by how much my kids knew about Greek mythology. Yeah. I suppose <laughs> like that's all from reading Percy Jackson. <laughs> Which is not a bad way, but I think it's so cool, too, that that's sort of branching into other mythologies and other other cultures. Yeah. Anything? Any other books you were thinking of, or did we cover all the ones? On I think we list?
1: covered most of them, if not all. That's um, great. would say if people are looking for diversity, there's this group called Project Lit Community, and every year they recommend about 20 books that mm-hmm. are, um, I guess, deal with diversity or... Um, I guess different issues along that, those lines and so you know they they encourage schools to have book clubs that, where they read them but otherwise there's some of us that are just kind of following and going okay yeah. oh, read that one, read that one, read that one Right. so if you're looking for I guess a curated list mm-hmm. of current diversity, Project Lit Community is a great place to check out and just kind of start your, your journey that way Oh
0: that's great, well I always include um, on the, the blog of show notes a uh, link to all the books we talked about but I'll also <laughs> include a, a link to that as well Uh, I want to say thank you so much for doing this. I think every kid deserves to have teachers like you and uh, people, you know, who love books and are are really open about recommending them. So this was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. That wraps up my conversation with David Walsh from McDonald Drive Junior High and Alison Edwards from Prince of Wales Collegiate, two educators who know a lot about books for young adults. And I hope if you're a young adult or have a young adult in your life, you've gotten some great suggestions from this podcast as well. As usual, you can look at the show notes where you'll see a list of links to all the books we talked about. Um, on my website, TrudyMorganCole.com, by clicking the Shelf Esteem link. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks with some more great guests. Until then, read a good book and build your Shelf Esteem.